Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray. And folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. Chilly Alpharetta, but still beautiful. <laughs> folks, if you're looking for a bank that's big enough to handle pretty much any, any need you can throw at them, but they're small enough to deliver their services in a personal way, I have found that magic combination at Renaissance Bank. And it, that, that combination's hard to find in the banking industry these days. But I have found it, and I think you will too. Go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and give them a call. And I think you'll be glad you did. And what you'll find is a, a real person answers the phone. That's your first sign of success there. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Janet Hagerman. Janet is a dental practice consultant, an old friend. Dent, Janet, welcome. Thank you, John. Always great to be here. Yeah, great to have you back. Let's talk about you. And for those that don't know, you give an introduction to how you're serving folks out there. I am known as the Fractional CHO, which stands for Chief Hygiene Officer. Fractional services are being offered more and more now for growing companies that may not be able to, they, they don't have the budget for a full-fledged department, so they'll hire a fractional professional who is experienced in that area for a fraction of a full-time employee and a fraction of, of the time. Sure. So in my industry, dentistry, I focus on DSOs dental support or dental service organizations, mm -hmm. which we know, the layperson knows just as group dentistry, Gents. multiple yeah. locations, right. exactly. Yeah. They range anything from five to over a thousand. Oh, wow. That's a lot of locations. Yeah. So the, you, the, the fractional piece of this, I've had fractional CFOs, I've had fractional mm -hmm. chief marketing officers, chief mm -hmm. operating officers. <laughs> You're my first fractional chief hygiene officer. That's Interesting. You came up with that? Well, I thought I invented it. We're going to say you did. <laughs> yeah. My experience in the DSO, I was the uh, hygiene director. So we have hygiene directors. We have hygiene VPs. There's as many different titles and business models for DSOs as there are DSOs. It's like the Wild West. Sure. But recently I found another DSO that has bestowed that title, CHO, mm -hmm. on their hygiene leader, who happens to be a good friend of mine. So I guess we came up with it simultaneously. But yeah, I'll take it that I invented it. <laughs> you're, but she's an employee of one DSO, yes. and you're a fractional yes, exactly. uh, chief hygiene officer. And as far as I know, I'm the only one that provides that fractional service. You're a unicorn. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> what, before we get into the, the details of what a, a CHO is all about, talk about your background and your your backstory and your journey and what, I guess, what your passion is for working in this industry. The back, back, back story is my medical college of Georgia degree was in, is in dental hygiene. So I practiced clinical hygiene for years before I moved to consulting. And my early DSO experience was being invited to be the director of hygiene for a DSO that had a little over 100 practices. Mm. Um, 
I didn't know what I was doing, and they didn't know what to do with me. (laughs) (laughs) There was no onboarding process. And once I got over the the overwhelm and realize the departments that I had at my disposal to help me, then it was like having a blank palette. So Mm -hmm. I created and developed that hygiene department from the ground up, including a fantastic best-in-class team who have all gone on their own. In the meantime, I've written a book. My focus for years was on helping practices increase their case acceptance, getting patients to say yes to the treatment that they needed. So I've written a book on that. I did. A, I was known Let's as. Let's name that book so people know. Selling dentistry ethically, okay. elegantly, and effectively. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. get it on Amazon. Okay, on we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then more recently, I've just realized that these emerging what we call emerging DSOs, which are less than a hundred locations, let's say, hygiene is a pillar of a dental practice. It should provide a third of the total practice revenue. Mm-hmm. Hygienists spend more time with the patients. They should be in a position to be moving the patient toward the restorative needs that the doctor would diagnose. So hygienists play a really critical role. And so when you have these young DSOs that are growing, they sometimes don't have any structure in place. So you have, let's say you have eight different locations, you end up with eight different hygienists that have eight different cultures and eight different protocols about how they do things clinically. As a DSO grows, a mistake that often happens is they get funding, they're able to acquire more practices, but they don't have a good structure in place to do that. And patient care suffers, and that is reflected in hygiene turnover, which is expensive. Hygiene dissatisfaction, we have a huge challenge right now in the whole whole dental industry, as many industries do, of keeping good people, mm-hmm. hiring good people, sure. keeping good people. So having a culture of consistency and stability where you know what your protocols are and it's consistent throughout the company is is a way to have better patient care and better profitability as well. So what you're naming here is a is a common issue with in industries that are consolidating right because you are these dso's a lot of them are backed by private equity Mm -hmm. and private equity is good at putting money in for consolidation but then what's got to happen next to make that investment really pay off is not just taking care of the customer but creating processes across the organization that are, like you say, that are consistent. And mm-hmm. that's really, you're talking about exactly what I just said in the context of hygiene. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah. And preferably that structure would be in place before you acquire or merge. Mm. And and if you're and if a company is looking to acquire practices, they're going to be looking for what systems do you have in place. Mm-hmm. If it is equity, if it is investors that don't have a clinical background, they're going to want clinical protocols in place. They're going to want that. And then, as I said, there's many different models as there are DSOs. So you have some that are owned by the original dentist, Mm -hmm. dental owners, and then you have some that are totally non-dental owned, except for the fact that legally you have to have dentists that 
technically own the practices in some states. So what you're looking at is how do you make protocols patient-centered that are consistent but scalable, that are profitable and scalable, that are patient-centered, profitable, and scalable, those three things. So you're not just speaking of, you mentioned earlier about hygienists are at, at the front line when it comes to revenue opportunities for the dental practice, right? In terms of talking to the patient about what they need and convincing them it's in their best best interest, right? They certainly, yeah, they spend time with the patient and they are in a position to make a big difference in terms of selling dentistry. In other words, increasing case acceptance. Now, all the team members have a place in that. One person can sabotage the efforts of the whole rest of the team without good communication skills. And that's part of what I do in the selling dentistry piece. Got it. Is that part of the CHO work that you do? Or? It is, depending on the option, it is often included in the okay. work that I do. It just, it, and it depends. Are they, are, what are their, how do you measure success? Just like in any industry or any business, you need certain key indicators, numbers mm-hmm. to, to measure. Are we improving? Are we not improving? Are we staying the same? So there are way, ways we can measure. What is your case acceptance? It should be around 85%. And typically, the average in this country is only between 30 and 50. Wow. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of room for improvement. I talked to a dentist not long. He said, Janet, I've been in business for 40 years. If I can't keep my case acceptance at 80%, there's something wrong. He said, my case acceptance is like 85%. So he's within where, where he needs to be. So mm-hmm. they, wouldn't need, they wouldn't need me. But if you're in 30 to 50%, that means a lot of your patients are walking around with disease that's already been diagnosed. Yeah, and that is that's a tough situation for a lot of obvious reasons and part of the reason for that is is that patient fear or maybe they don't have the kind of explanation that gets them to a point where they agree to that or what what that's what we're talking about, right? There's a variety of reasons right. that there is why anybody chooses to buy some edge because you're an expert in, in, in sales. Many surveys have shown that people make buying decisions based on emotion, mm-hmm. not on logic. We like to think we make it based on logic, but that's not what the science shows. So right. in dentistry, we live in a world of rational logic, left and right brain. We, we are in that world of millimeters. <laughs> and so we have a tendency to communicate that way. And typically it just goes over the heads of our patients. So a lot of what I teach is communication skills that have to do with, I like to say, the softer side yeah. before we get into to clinical conversations. But that's part of the work that I do for DSOs. And there's systems for that and mm-hmm. communication systems that everybody can learn no matter what their communication style is. You don't have to be the pushy extrovert that people tend to think about when they think of sales. Sometimes the more diminutive introvert people are great. Mm-hmm. So they just need the right vocabulary and the right strategies, right. communication strategies. Yeah. What, what's the bigger issue here for a DSO, Janet? What, the bigger pain point, is it this case acceptance issue or is it lack of clinical protocols? 
that you talked about earlier? What do you find when you uh, talk to clients? I'm not sure if it's an either or of the two that you just mentioned, but from where I'm coming from, the biggest pain points are think that you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You're a growing DSO, you want to scale, you want more practices, and yet you don't have the structure in place. So you end up with some of those pain points would be, I don't have hygienists to fill the chair. I don't even have doctors to fill the chair. When you have an office that goes what we call dark, because Mm. you don't have your producers. You might have your office manager, you might have an assistant or two, but if you don't have a doctor, you can't do business. In most states, it varies from state to state, but in most, the the other producers can't produce unless the doctor's at least on site. So having the doctor there and the hygienist, so what can we do to make that attractive for them that they want to stay there at that group mm-hmm. and make it a, a lifelong career choice. And part of that is, as in any business, the culture, does that support the team as well as the patients? Because as we take care of our team is as our team will take care of our patients. Mm. So if we take good care of our team, and by that, do we communicate with everybody ongoing when we have new technologies that we want to introduce um, let's say it's an oral cancer screening technology, or let's say there's some great new technologies now for diagnosing x-rays through AI, which is really exciting. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how do you, let's say you have 50 offices, how do you integrate that? How do you let your people know what it is? How do you help them get over the fear of change? How do you get them to actually implement it, like the technologies here, but it's not, it's collecting dust? And then how do you help your people understand the KPIs, the key performance improvement numbers? Mm-hmm. What we hear sometimes is all corporate cares about is the numbers. There's some sort of number quota. Right. And so helping the team understand the correlation between those numbers and how that can improve their performance. But doing it in a way that that they get it and that they want to use it as a tool for performance improvement. So those are some separate skill sets that the management team needs to learn. So those are the types of things that I like to help with, depending on where the DSO is. I'm going to sound like I'm in the bag for DSOs here, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, But I guess my thought is, as I hear you talk, is that when somebody says that corporate cares about the numbers, like high case except when you say people are walking around with diseased mouths, that's those are people that are patients of low case acceptance DSOs, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's not in the DSO's interest to have that happening, to have their patients walking around like that. It and it really is in the patient's interest to take care of that problem sooner rather than later. So these things seem to intersect to me. Now, again, I sound like I'm in the bag for DSOs, but I'm not. This seems just like logical to me. I think it's logical too. Okay, okay good. <laughs> good. So what do you mean when you say in the bag for the DSO? Well, Does that what, mean you're thinking that, you're that, pro-DSO? Yeah, that, I, pro- that I'm like getting paid by the DSO Association. I'm oh. not here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm independent. But this seems like it's in the patient's best interest. 
And it's in the company's best interest. And the best thing is when those two align, right? Absolutely. It's always been in the patient's best interest. I mean, now it's just magnified by the number of practices that you have as as a DSO. DSOs have gotten a bad rap in the past. In the year I've been in the industry long enough to remember when not only did it have a bad reputation, but it was probably in some instances founded. But they've evolved so much over the years and there's some great DSOs out there with some great cultures and that's what I want to be a part of. DSOs are here to stay. Yeah. People who who are anti-DSO, it's saying, I just hate gravity when I jump off a cliff. I just really hate gravity. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any difference whether you like it or not. It's here to stay. DSOs are here to stay. So how do we integrate ourselves with the DSO space and be a part of that evolution to help it be as ethical as possible, as patient-centered as possible, and then as profitable as possible because everybody likes to know that when their paycheck comes around, it it clears. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that always helps. Yeah, so understanding that those things all, all go hand in hand. You take good care of your patients, you take good care of your team, with good structure in place, and you'll be profitable. Folks, we're chatting with Janet Hagerman. Janet is the only (laughs) that we're aware of uh, (laughs) fractional chief hygiene officer. I like talking to unicorns. I don't get to do that too often, so that's terrific. So what are – let's talk about what you do when you come in. So someone – a DSO – gets in touch with you, they know they've got a problem. Maybe they haven't identified all the problems they have, but they know they've got got issues with their hygiene department, or maybe they don't even call it that. They need that formed. Talk, just talk about what that looks like, your prescriptions, how you come to them. Before they would become a client, we do an assessment, and I would ask for some of their numbers to mm-hmm. see where they are. And also gauge what they really want to do. Typically, they don't have specific hygiene problems, or they may. Sometimes it's just we don't really know what we need, but we know we need something. Mm. We don't really have a hygiene department, but we know we're supposed to have one. And we think we could be more profitable. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they do have a person that they have designated as a hygiene. We'll call it a leader, for lack of a a better word, because there's so many different different terms that are used, but they don't know, really know what to do. So you take a dentist or a hygienist that are really good clinically and that are high performers, and you say it makes sense to now have them be a mentor and then become a leader or the vice president or the director of the department. But those skill sets are different. Mm. So that's where sometimes they'll say, we need for you to come in and help Stephanie and I'm happy and happy to do that because they're halfway there. That shows me that they're interested and they're committed mm. to hygiene. Some of the, and then some of the other pain points are getting the hygienists and the doctors to work together. I need to make sure that DSO is truly committed to the dentists working with the hygienists and hygienists working with the dentists, and then I can show them how to structure that. So the first thing is, what does the culture look like? Do you even have a mission or a vision or core values? Mm -hmm. And then 
if you have hygiene, what is their core vision? That's the first thing that I did when I was made director of hygiene is we created a, a, a vision, core values for the hygiene department. Mm-hmm. And are they congruent with the total company mm-hmm. vision? All right. So that that's the first thing. And then to begin to look at how big do you want to grow? Do you want to grow to be 100 offices? Do you want to be one of the big boys? Or do you want to just grow to be 10 offices, 10 locations, and then sell? Or I had a client recently that said, Janet, we've got seven practices right now. My kids have all gone into dentistry. I don't want to sell. We want to have our legacy here as helping our community. Mm. So we probably may never get to be more than 10 and my kids will take over it. So it's like, where do you want to go first mm-hmm. and foremost? Sure. And then the, the structure for 10 locations is not going to be the same as for 100 locations. And then what are the different aspects, the different C-level suite departments? Do you have an IT person that's going to help implement IT? And again, if you don't have that department, maybe you could use a fractional IT part person. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of resources to help DSOs with fractional help. What about compliance issues? Are you compliant with HIPAA? Are you compliant with OSHA? Are your HR policies compliant? Because they differ from state to state, they differ from specialty to general, and they change all the time. (laughs) If you don't have, if you're not big enough to have those different departments, I can help by referring you to fractional specialists in those different areas. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to hygiene specifically, what is your periodontal protocol? We know that 75% of the population has some form, or level of periodontal disease. We know that periodontal disease is directly linked to heart disease and diabetes Mm. and obesity Mm -hmm. and a bunch of other systemic conditions. So it makes sense to treat periodontal disease pretty aggressively. Sure. And that's a very simple uh, measurement to quantify a, a metric to look at. And if that's not where it needs to be, that is like one of the first protocols that you can establish that's going to increase your patient care hugely and increase your revenue. So those types of protocols, clinical protocols, what's your righty x-ray protocol? What's your oral cancer screening protocol? Those types of clinical protocols. What are your communication protocols? And that's where we would look at the communication protocols that I teach. You mentioned that there are are clients that come to you and they know they've got a problem, but they, you know, look into you to identify what they are and then what the solutions are, yeah. right? Yeah. But let let's talk about those DSOs out there that. Well, here's the way to ask the question: What problems? If I'm running a DSO, what problems do I have that I can identify that are due to the, the lack of a good hygiene department. If you have high turnover, for sure. Yeah. that That's key. If you have a skewed, you can look at the metrics to determine how many 
In dentistry, a prophylaxis or a prophy is a healthy person cleaning. When you go to get your teeth cleaned, you're probably getting a prophylaxis, and that is how it is coded. All the procedures have codes. If you have any level of periodontal disease, and it can be very mild and totally reversible, or it can be involving bone loss where, like diabetes, you'll never be completely cured, but it can certainly be controlled. Mm -hmm. Those are different code. So you can identify the metrics to see what is your percentage. If we know that 75% of the people in this country have some form of periodontal disease, then it would make sense that you would have more periodontal therapy procedures than regular cleaning procedures. Healthy mouth. All right. Mm -hmm. Get You following me? Yeah, I am. So if you have more disease than health, you should have more procedures treating disease than health. Mm. And that's often not what you find. You find the majority of procedures are regular cleanings, which don't address the disease. And so that is a very clear metric that you need some help with your hygiene department. So that's another example. High turnover, provita perio, percentage, yeah, those types of things. Also, what percentage of your restorative work by restorative procedures and the kind of thing that your dentist fixes for you mm-hmm. that needs to be restored? You have a cavity that needs to be restored. You typically, you have a, a filling that's broken that needs to be restored. So the type of restorative work that the dentist does, a third of, the rev- of that revenue should come from hygiene. As if I'm the hygienist, I should be saying, John, it looks like that big metal filling back there is breaking down and we need to restore that. And you're mm-hmm. going to say, how do you do that? And I'm going to say, typically, doc recommends a crown to preserve that. And that's the way we, way we treat that. So by the time the doc comes in, it's like you're already prepared. You've had your questions answered. You're much more likely to say, well, when can we get it done? So mm-hmm. that's another system that can be put in place where hygienists can be trained. We are trained in school, but often that doesn't transfer to when you actually get in practice and you get busy. So that's another metric that you can see if a lot of restorative work is not coming from the hygienist department, there is another opportunity for improvement and growth there. Yeah. Well, lots to uh, chew on there, pardon the pun. What... um, (laughs) It sounds like metrics are really important and that may be one of the issues you mentioned in technology and you've got to have that to track the numbers. It sounds like that could be one of the issues that you run into for DSOs is just being able to get the data that they need to track the metrics that are important in these issues. Is that a fair statement? That's a great question. That's yeah. a great statement, a great question, and it's absolutely true. The The DSO that I worked with, our CEO came from a, another technological industry, so he was like really big into metrics. Mm-hmm. So he had that IT department. They were making spreadsheets and spreadsheets. We tracked everything. Mm-hmm. So when I went out on my own and started looking at different deals, I was shocked to find out that some of them didn't have very good metrics Mm. at all. Um, Now we've gotten to the point where there's so many different platforms and companies that provide systems 
to to measure. We have what we call practice management software, which you go to your dentist and you see them putting things in the computer. That's their practice management software, and there's half a dozen major ones. And the the first thing that you need to do as a DSO is make sure all your locations are on the same <laughs> practice management software. Right. And sometimes they're not. Yeah, that's critical. But there are many different ways now to be able to look at these, what we call KPIs, key performance measurements and metrics. So that's critical. That's critical to be able to measure that very regularly, not like once a month or once a week, but almost daily. The more often we measure, the more able we are to make course corrections very quickly. What's the ROI here? What I know every company's different and I get that. But what's the ROI for a healthy, thriving hygiene department? That's going to depend on the size. You really have to look at where you're starting and where you and where you want to go. Industry metrics are hygienists should be producing three times their compensation. Mm-hmm. Hygienists should be supporting a third of. The restorative. So that's really the metrics that we look at. I added a million dollars to our bottom line when I started my DSO career, but that was a hundred offices. So it just depends on where you are and you know what the op- I always look at the opportunities first. For example, with case acceptance, it's very easy to look at how many treatment plans have are in the computer. How many treatment plans have we actually made up and presented to the patient, and what is the dollar amount of that? Mm -hmm. And then be able to look and see what was our production for that same time period. So there is your difference, the difference between all the treatment plans that were presented but but that were not completed. Mm -hmm. So the difference in that dollar amount is the dollar amount that you're leaving on the table. Mm. Got it. So there's your opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And that's just one. That's just one metric. Yeah, and I get it. Every company's different, and they're at different. Even the same size companies are at different places when it comes to individual metrics and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But the bottom line is, this is a significant. You're delivering significant value here. It went for DSOs that need to get their act in order when it comes to hygiene departments. Sure, it has to be. It has to be profitable. It has to be ROI and. and we like to talk about patient care, but ultimately it has to be reflected in, in in being profitable too. I like to say patient care produces revenue. If you mm-hmm. take care of your patients, the revenue will come. Yeah, for sure. Now, you said something, and I want to come back to it. It sounds like you're not there as a fractional CHO, you're not there to replace someone that's already in place when it comes to somebody that's running a hygiene department. Yeah, you're there to augment. That's a good point. Yeah, okay. no, absolutely. Yeah. And some of the some of the practices or the DSOs that I've worked with that we've had the best success with actually have somebody in place, mm-hmm. and that person just needed coaching they needed to learn how do i transition from being a clinical hygienist to being a supervisor a manager how do i get out of the daily and learn how can i 
influence and be and have an influence over a group that I'm managing without being in their office every day. Had to learn to zoom a Zoom call effectively. Mm-hmm. So that evolution, and then how do how do you learn the ins and outs of working peer to peer with the management team when in the past they've been your supervisors and now you're peer to peer. So yeah. that whole evolution of, of coaching that. So it's coaching the in those leaders as well. So you're absolutely right. Um, no, I'm not there to replace anybody. That is not my goal at all. As a matter of fact, when I leave, I want to leave that DSO in a situation where they have templates in place, templates and protocols. Mm-hmm. So as they get new technologies, as they get new things coming down the road, they've already got systems in place for how to implement that and leave that person, yeah, he or she, yeah. in a place where they're very capable of running, they're peer-to-peer, and teaching them how to brand themselves, have their own personal brand in the industry. Uh, That's marvelous work. So I can't imagine that you don't have quite a few success stories that help illustrate the great work you do. So if you could share one, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear it. The biggest success story is what I did when I took over that hygiene department and just built it from the scratch up because I did every, nothing was in place. So everything had to get put into place mm-hmm. and developing a team. There's a real, I think there's a real art to developing a team and teaching them how to be really independent. Some of the things that I taught them. They would joke saying, oh, I, we, after a while we learned not to come to you with our problems because the first thing you would say is, what's good about this? <laughs> and so if we didn't have an answer, we just have to leave with our tail between our legs. And I, I got, we got to the point where my team was so great, they seldom came to me. They would use each other as a mm-hmm. sounding board mm. and they would help each other, which is what we need to do in business. We need to learn to network and and help each other. Yeah. And they've all gone on to be um, successful entrepreneurs themselves. So that's my biggest success story. Some of the smaller DSOs that I've worked with and, and just taking those early hygienists that have such great leadership potential, mm-hmm. but aren't quite sure how, how to bloom. I like to bloom people. Yeah. And then seeing them bloom, seeing them just like a sponge take in all the coaching and then be able to turn it around and in turn mentor and coach others. Um, That's great work. Yeah. That's, I love that. In fact, that's in the show notes here that your specialty is blooming people. I I (laughs) like that. That's a wonderful way to put it. So are there any particular size DSOs that are great fits for you or does it really matter? Yeah, my sweet spot is the what we call emerging early DSOs, if anything from typically maybe five to under 100. Mm-hmm. Got it. And that's the, the most of them are in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Janet Hagerman, folks, she is a fractional chief hygiene officer. Janet, congratulations on your great work. It's a delight we could have you in here to celebrate it. 
And before I let you go, though, let's get to the most important question for those that have heard something here that makes them think, hey, I need to talk to Janet, get in touch. How can they find out more and and connect with you? My website is JanetHagerman.com, but they are welcome to email me or call me directly. Email is Janet at JanetHagerman.com. And my direct cell phone is 678-371-8234. And yeah, contact me directly. Terrific. Janet Hagerman, folks, the chief (laughs) or the, the fractional chief hygiene officer, consultant to DSOs. Uh, Again, Janet, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, John. It's always such a pleasure. I just really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Hey, folks, before we let you go for today, just a quick thank you. You have supported this show so much over the years, and this is show number 741. I looked at it this morning, and I'm just in awe of that not for anything we've done, but because of your support, because that's the only reason we've gotten this far. You continue to share the show. And if you have heard something here that makes you want to share the show, please do that. That's how we support the great business leaders like Janet we've had on the show. If you hear heard something here today or any of our shows, please do that. And you continue to like us on social media and there are any number of ways that you support us. And, and I'm just grateful for that. And I want you to know that that work that you do on our behalf, which we appreciate helps us live into our mission to be the voice of business in this region. So thank you again for that support. So for my guest, Janet Hagerman, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton business radio.